0: hey everyone hey guys i'm liza and i'm wrist
1: and this is the little sleep much reading podcast (laughs) so little sleeping and so much reading, his brain dried up and he went completely out of his mind. P says,
0: hi. Hi, P. P's our special guest today.
1: P said, I love the Jews. She
0: does. She really does. Uh, And... P, what did you read this week?
1: Um. <laughs> he read a good book. Um, it was by a nice Jewish kitty she knows, and it was called The Meow.
0: The Meow about a Jewish cat. Mm-hmm. She good. loved it. Good job, P. We can't wait to hear about it. Um, but yeah, you guys, it's a week that I didn't even know existed until Marissa brought it up.
1: It's Jewish Book Week. Did Can anyone we- know that that's a thing? I sure as hell didn't. I'm glad I know now. I found out from my many resources, the internet. Yeah. <laughs> Um, what do we know about Jewish book week? Is it like,
0: how did it come? We don't know.
1: I know nothing.
0: You know, nothing, Jon
1: Snow. I saw it. And I was like, absolutely. Yes.
0: I know there's a Jewish history month. May is Jewish history month. Um, let's see. But let's check Jewish book week. Jewish book week. One of my favorite festivals across the world, says this person. Founded in 1952.
1: And we just, we're just we just finding it out. What the shit? Jewish Book Week.
0: Oh, it's a British event. Which is also interesting, and I'll talk about it when I talk about my book, but I feel like history has forgotten that there's jews in literally every country in the world and i feel like people often forget that there's like many british jewish people and i forget like i'm i'm guilty of that um so i'll talk about that when i talk about my stuff but yeah it's a british festival how fun And we'll link the Instagram in our show notes because they have all of the events up on their Instagram. So, for example, it looks like there's a poetry and spoken word panel. um, Jewish radical panel. Lots of different, lots of different book. Women, Jewish authors, history, all that good stuff. Very fun. Very exciting. So yeah, celebrate Jewish book week. It's from Fe- 25th of February to the 5th of March every year. Um, and now you know to mark your calendars. And that every year, you now are ordered by me, a Jew, to read a book by a Jewish author this we- that week uh, of every single year. You have to, or else I'll come for you in the night.
1: <laughs> you will bite each one of your toes slowly until they break off like baby carrots.
0: And I will do that. Oh my God, that feels like a, did you have a dream about that? I don't think so. I feel like you had a dream where somebody was, like, licking your toes. Uh...
1: <laughs> yeah, I did. Do you remember who it was? I do, but I obviously <laughs> don't want
0: to say it. But I was like, why do I know that that's happened before? And then I was like, oh, it's because Marissa had a dream about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have had really weird dreams the past few nights yesterday I had a dream that I was throwing like a rager that was going into like the early hours of the morning and like the sun was coming up and we had live flamingos at the rager and then one started attacking me when I like brought my cake the cake out at like five in the morning and it like burrowed its beak into my thigh skin Oh, and that was upsetting and then the night before I had a dream that basically was like would have been a great episode of the last of us because it was like What would have happened if you were on an airplane on infection day? And so it was like we were like kicking people like out the doors of the plane and who were infected. And then the pilot started to become infected. And I was like trying to like talk to him to like keep him like, I don't know why that would help, but like to keep him from like being fully infected. And then I think the plane was obviously going to crash because he was infected. And we were, like, trying to figure out if anybody on the plane could, fl- like, could fly a plane because we were going to have to, like, boot the pilot off the plane. That shit was cuckoo bananas. I think you-, you could fly it. I think I think I could fly a plane for sure. You just pull up. P-
1: okay, pull up ho. Pull down. Pull down ho.
0: And These that's buttons,
1: it. it. There's probably the button that has a landing gear is probably labeled landing gear. It probably it
0: can't be harder than driving a car. In fact, I'm sure it's easier. So, um, I'm excited that your author's a woman, my author is a woman.
1: We love women,
0: we love women, they're a favorite kind of writer. <laughs> Truly, imagine somebody whose favorite kind of writer isn't women.
1: Gross.
0: I'm sure there's men who only really read male writers. I'll tell you something kind of cool that, that I don't know what made me think of this. I was looking at my nonfiction section to see what other like women writers I had. Um, Bryn. Hi, Brynny, if you're listening, um, is at obviously criminal psychology school. And she had a whole class this semester about Truman Capote's Into Cold Blood. In In Cold Blood, I mean, the
1: entire class was about that one book. I might have to say this to you. Huh. I had to find that book for a BOPIS the other day. No way! Where would you think that book would be? Okay, here's the tea. Because
0: I always used to shelve it, when I worked in a bookstore, in true crime. But it actually is technically registered as fiction.
1: Right! Isn't that insane?
0: Which is really weird because it's not, it's, it's, it's a, it's not even a dramatization of the Clutter family. It's like just a retelling of it, but because it's not like a journalistic account, it's technically not true crime, but I always shove it in true crime because the people who are looking for
1: it are going to look in true crime. But like, yeah, what, so I don't understand like what makes, I haven't read this book, but what makes I'll Be Gone in the Dark? by Michelle McNamara True Crime right and and like i don't know like i personally d- didn't think Truman Capote's book was all that great and i understand how he is like sleazy yes in a way um but it's kind of unfair to the Cutter family to put it in fiction. I agree. And
0: it's interesting because speaking of Eric Larson, Eric Larson's books are technically fiction. But we shelve them in military history or we previous we um in case anybody didn't know, I don't work at uh the bookstore that must not be named anymore. Um but they shelve it that bookstore as an organization shelves it in military history. But it's technically fiction because it's not like a reported account. So that's kind of weird. Kind of weird. Because you would never shelve John Krakauer in fiction, speaking of him as well. But obviously he wasn't actually there when Christopher McCandless was like tromping around God knows where. Like, you know what I mean? Like, what makes something, when you frame it as a story, more of a story, why does that make it fiction and not just, like, a, like, narrative version recounting of a historical event? I don't know. It's very weird. It's very weird. Do we have any lit news? Lit news. Lit news. None that I can think of, unfortunately. Yeah, I don't even know anything that came out today, because today's... It's new release Tuesday, right? The Paris apartment came out in paperback.
1: Mm -hmm. In case Lucy score came out with a
0: book, Lucy score, um, um, Oh, the writing retreat, which looks kind of interesting, but kind of stupid in my opinion. But like, that's fine.
1: Uh, I heard a couple people talking about it already on TikTok a couple years ago, actually.
0: It's just not really our style of I am our collective style of mystery. I think it's like a little cheesy. Um. Oh, new Veronica Roth for those that uh, loved um <laughs> Divergent series. Yeah, sips slowly. Oh, I do think, we keep getting off topic, but I think we should have an episode where we revisit um, a dystopian YA that we didn't actually read when we were younger. I've never read Divergent. So you can read Divergent, because I just realized that I have the book Uglies, and they're turning that into a movie. Mm. And I never read that one. Did you read that one? No. Yeah. They're turning it into a movie with, um, Joey King. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It is what it is. Um, but yeah, that's all for lit news.
1: What did you read this week? A book that I was very excited about, and I know last week we talked about how beautiful the cover is, um... So I'm excited for us to post a picture and everyone to see it. But I read The Red Door, a dark fairy tale told in poems by Sean C. Harris. And you said Sean C.
0: Harris is a Jewish woman. Correct. And is that her real name or is that her pseudonym?
1: Mm, I believe it is the real name, but I'm not positive.
0: How does she spell Sean? S-H-A-W-N. Interesting. Like shauna is a jewish name um or like shayna but sean that's that's really fun oh also
1: a black jewish author (gasps) Whoa, that's Mm um we love that you don't get
0: that every day how fucking fun the red door my book is called "Mad and Bad: Real Heroines of Regency" by B. Kosh. And this also has um, a really fun cover that I love. So uh, it'll be a very lovely episode announcement post with these two covers in mine. And neither of these books are technically fiction, um because Marissa's is poetry, and mine is nonfiction. Um. Therefore, I will just give a little note that I did not do a rating scale for mine because I find it really difficult to use the rating scale for funny that we were talking about like narrative history um, or like non-narrative non-fiction books, if that makes sense. So, like, we've talked about, like, the, pro- like, the um, difficulty of using our personal writing scale with a memoir, but, like, it is still possible. Um, I think you could definitely do it with a history book, like some of the ones we were talking about earlier, but with this one that's split up into different sections about women in the Regency and none of them, and it really just being, like, learning about women from the Regency period and not necessarily, um, it's sharing their stories, but it's not sharing their stories in a narrative way it's more of like an actual like history way Uh, I just found that when I looked at the rating scale I was like it feels like I don't really want to use it so just FYI I didn't use a rating scale for today's episode but I'm still very excited to talk about the book
1: I think this is their only published book I saw another one that was like a collection of untitled poems but i think it's just an ebook i don't think it's a full physical flesh book but i'm not 100 positive um i did use a rating scale today but it is always hard to to use our rating scale with poetry but mm-hmm. we'll get into that mm-hmm. yeah i think I'm, I'm, I'm interested to
0: see because especially because this is like told in verse but it is a story, so we'll see about that. Alrighty, Bestie. It's Jewish Book Week. I'm Jewish, and I'm having a great time. So I read, like I said, Mad and Bad, Real Heroines of the Regency by B. Kosh. And this book is not necessarily all about... Jewish women from the Regency period, there's only one specific section that's about Jewish women from Regency. Um, But in a very, I don't know how I wanna put this, but like it talks about mostly women who you wouldn't have really learned about otherwise from Regency. And that to me sort of feels like a Jewish value in a way. Um, of just, like, highlighting other marginalized groups along with your own group from that given time period. Um, so it has sections on um, LGBTQ women, uh, women of color, um, lots of women writers, women artists, but then also women in STEM. And then it has women in, like, positions of power, and the more like classic, like what you think of when you think of Regency, like Bridgerton type women. Um, but then it also has um, mistresses and sex workers and really just a, a really beautiful examination of all the different women in Regency, Regency period and, and um, women that history sort of forgot about, which I think is really interesting too, to have um, a Jewish writer looking at Regency because I think it's sort of like human nature to search for yourself when you're reading a book or searching like going through historical records and I can imagine that it's really hard to find Jewish women when looking at like the Regency period because like I'm it didn't even obviously I know there was Jewish people like there's been Jewish people literally forever. So of course, every single time period, there's gonna be Jews. But I think we're so used to reporting on Jews of it really solely being like when terrible things were happening to Jewish people. So it's like, oh, a lot of Holocaust books. Like when you go to like the Judaica section at a bookstore, it always kind of pisses me off that like 90% of the books are the Holocaust. And I'm like, yes, we need all of these books to teach us about the Holocaust, but I'm like, but where is anything else about Jewish people? Like, we were around way before the Holocaust, and we're still around after, like, it's always just feels like a weird thing to me. So I was excited to see like, this period of history, which is really popular right now, largely because of um, Bridgerton and, and things like that. And to see Jewish women highlighted in a way I'm frankly thinking they have probably never been highlighted before. Um, Just to tell you a little bit about the author. So B has previously written, um, this is her first published book. And she previously had some journalistic work online, including one for Hey Alma, which is a Jewish feminist publication that I actually have written for. And I, they're probably the main publication I follow um I just really like their stuff but she wrote a book called you'll love this jewish historical romance series um so this kind of ties into our it's corn episode as well where I also did read a jewish book um but because this is a classic regency sort of romance steamy romance and it's jewish which is so fun it's by nita abrams set in regency england and uh b discusses that this is the first book she's ever read first romance series she's ever read with jewish characters at the center which is really fun um so that's definitely something to check out she is a very cool lady um she has a degree in costume history. She has, I think, she also has a degree in like Renaissance um, from like Yale. Yeah, graduated from Yale with distinction as the last Renaissance studies major and received an MA from NYU Steinhardt in costume history. Super cool woman. And the last thing I'll mention about her is. She owns the Ripped Bodice, which at one point had a moment on Book Talk. The Ripped Bodice is super cool, it is a strictly romance focused bookstore. So, the only thing this bookstore sells is romance, which is so fun. Uh, and it was founded in 2016, and I think it, it was founded at just the right time that now with the coming of book talk and the resurgence of romance as a genre, um, I hope she's super successful in that sense. And their sisters who own it, which is also very cool, um, their website, you can order online from, too. So it's in California, The Ripped Bodice. But you can order online. So if you're gonna order romance, order from two queer Jewish women sisters and support a small business and that'll be so slay of you. Um, so without further ado, I'll get into talking about my book. Um, so I will mostly focus on obviously the section on Jewish women But I do want to say there is Jewish people sprinkled throughout this book, not just in the section that's strictly about Jewish women. Um, So that was exciting in and of itself. Um, But I'll say too that this book as a whole is really interesting. Women are so cool and they've been so cool from throughout the course of history. And I was just learning a lot and I have a really good time whenever I read a a book like where I feel like I'm learning something new with every single page, uh, and it was very interesting. Like I feel like sometimes history books can be kind of dry, and I'm always like, "Oh well, you know, here we are." But I found this book to actually be a lot of fun. Um, I think that B has like a nice, light, style to her that keeps you um, feeling like, I guess. I don't want to say like nothing's that serious because like there is serious stuff happening, but like it feels like you're still reading this book for fun. Whereas I feel like sometimes when you read history books, you're kind of either feel like it's a chore or you're like, this is really upsetting and depressing and I don't like it. (laughs) Um, And that's the other thing, too, is that this book isn't really centered, although it mentions anti-Semitism, it isn't centered around Jewish trauma which I appreciate as well because like I said like that's such a common that's such a common theme in in books that focus on Jewish history to just be like the terrible things happening to the Jews and I'm like where's the Jewish joy um like (laughs) come on um so that's something that I appreciated about this but yeah I'll focus on the section about Jewish women she is sure to note that she clearly did a lot of digging and a lot of research for this book. Uh, I can't imagine actually how hard it was to find a lot of this information because history has tried to erase women forever. And then it has tried to erase women from minority groups, even more so than, um, you know, white uh, Christian women. So I can't imagine how hard it was for her to get this information, not only on these women, but on the other women in the book as well. Um, But we get a highlight of a few Jewish women from the Regency period, including Judith Montefiore, Rebecca Gratz, Rachel Lazarus, um, Maria Edgeworth, Grace Auglier, and, Charlotte Dacre and Sophia King, Rebecca Solomon. So she really was able to find several, several Jewish women who were having like a big impact on Regency in ways that I don't think were really highlighted um, ever before. Um, You might recognize some of these names. The only one I recognized was Rebecca Solomon. She was an artist from the Regency period, um, but otherwise I I knew nothing about any of these women. Um, And they were just doing cool shit. Like for example, she talks about the first kosher cookbook that was written in the Jewish language. It was written by a Jewish woman, uh, Judith Montefiore, and um, it was also kind of like a etiquette book in a way, which we know was really popular during the Regency period. So she was basically took it upon herself to teach. Jewish women how to like entertain and and cook and do all the other things like women from the time period were like quote-unquote supposed to do um but in a in a kosher way and I think that was really really cool and it kind of ties into the main message of this section of the book which is that um a lot of these women were working to fight against anti-Semitism as well as not necessarily assimilate to classic British society, but to integrate with British society and have conversations with their Christian counterparts and non-Christian, non-Jewish counterparts, uh, which I think is really cool. A lot of the women mentioned in the book Um, Are also were writers. Uh, And I was, of course, as a writer myself, most interested in their stories. So if you read, I mean, to this day, but I'm having recollections of um, all the different world history, world literature classes we took in college. Uh, And anti-Semitism was rampant in books for no good fucking reason like people authors would just throw a jewish character into a book and be like and they had a big nose and they took everyone's money and i'm like girl let's pack it up but like i'm we're so used to it at this point that like it's really just a part of of looking at historical um or like older texts even all the way to i took a course um called Comic Apocalypse, and it was mostly stuff that was written in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. So much anti-Semitism. I'm like, okay, did we not? And then, I mean, you look even to what's a modern book with a bunch of anti-Semitism in it. Hello, Harry Potter. (laughs) Like, it doesn't really go away, and it's still very much a thing. Um, So this book does talk about, you know, writers at the time being very anti-Semitic, and a lot of these women writing to these writers to be like um like your character that your jewish character is stupid like you're being anti-semitic you should fix it and then some of these writers actually because they respected these women um trying to make to amends to to their jewish characters that they had previously written so that was really really interesting to read about um I do want to highlight in particular this Jewish writer. Um, Charlotte Dacre was one of the Jewish women that I found the most interesting in this book. Um, And her book that is her most famous was called The Moor, A Romance of the 15th Century, which came out in 1806. Uh, And it was a Gothic novel. And just the B's description of it is, Charlotte's heroine, Victoria, is a sadistic murderer whose journey more closely follows that of a Gothic hero. Victoria's sexual knowledge and appetite for pleasure led to moral ex- objections to Charlotte's work in many reviews. Um, and apparently, Charlotte Dacre's style is comparable to Mary Shelley. And Mary and Percy were actually fans of Charlotte um, Dacre, which is really cool uh so i want to like find that book and read it but this is uh, to say not all of the women writers of this time period were writing to educate people about jewish culture A, a lot of them were but here you have a jewish woman writer who was like i'm gonna write this crazy gothic romance about a serial killer a woman serial killer and there's gonna be sex in it and it's gonna be awesome. And I'm like, that's so slay of you. Um, I will say something that just reminded me of this because um, this specific section about these women writers talks about Lord Byron. Lord Byron comes up a lot in this book. Lord Byron was an asshole. Okay guys, he was a little shit and we hate him. And he was horrible to women and the women that he knew. And he was also anti-Semitic. So just keep that in mind. Um, I know it doesn't really make sense to like retrospectively cancel people. uh, But just so you guys know, we hate Lord Byron. What a little piece of poop. Um, But yeah, all of these women that she talks about were doing really, really cool shit. And it was just exciting to see a piece of history where... You don't really think there was Jewish people, even though you know there were, um, and seeing them highlighted in this way and seeing all the cool things they were doing and and getting to dig up a piece of history that was so clearly tr- like tried to erase, like people tried to erase it. Um, so we have to thank writers like this for like digging this up and being like, Hey, this happened just so y'all know. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to say about these lovely ladies. Let me see. Oh, I don't know. Okay. I'll just say this one thing. Like I said, they were trying to like, a lot of them were trying to like educate the British aristocracy on Jewish culture, um, but to also, like I said, ensure that the portrayal of Jewish people wasn't as heinous as it had previously been. And I hadn't realized, because I, I so obviously I know who Sir Walter Scott is. And I know about Ivan but I have never read Ivan and I didn't know anything about it. And I guess the lead character in Ivan is a Jewish woman named Rebecca of York. And apparently the whole book is first of all, he's Christian, by the way. Uh Sir Walter Scott, not a not not Jewish. Um and the whole point of the book is that this Jewish woman um, is in love with a Christian man and they're both in love and then she like steps aside so that he can marry a Christian woman and then she just never gets married ever and she doesn't get her happy ending and he does with his Christian wife. And this book Guess Whatever is the first, considered to be the first positive portrayal of a Jewish protagonist. Um, Her shit gets rocked. How is this a positive portrayal? But it's only positive because she is um, portrayed as selfless um, instead of, like, the classic awful anti-Semitic stereotypes of Jews being, like, greedy because uh, they were usually the villains in books. Um, and yeah, so I was like, what the shit? And he actually based that character off of a Jewish woman writer from the time named Rebecca Gratz. Um, And she had said that she believed, too, um, that this woman who was a Jewish woman who fell in love with a Christian man and then ended up not getting to be with him and then never getting married was about her because that's exactly what happened to her. Um because interfaith marriages were really not, you know, a big thing at the time. Uh and I'm guessing that actually they were in fact frowned upon. But there is one that's mentioned. Um the two I believe there's a there's a woman that's highlighted here who is only half Jewish. um, like myself. But even though, Ray, uh, even though Rebecca was like portrayed in this way by Sir Walter Scott, she did. Uh, she was one of the Jewish women that really made it her kind of life's work um, to help educate people on Judaism and sort of improve the living situation for Jewish people in England so that is very slay. and that's all really that i have to say i think everybody should pick up this book um in part to learn about all these really cool jewish women from regency but also to learn about really what regency was like for all women and if you specifically like regency romance which you can order from the ripped Bonus website if you don't live in california um this would probably be a really fun book to read for you because it would give you like a look at what these women's lives actually looked like so that you compare it, can like have that in your background knowledge when you're reading your fun Regency romance. And that's all she wrote.
1: Ta-da! Yay! Yay! Um, that was a terrible story though Mm mm-hmm that's just not fair Mm -mm. and also he clearly didn't love her then why do men always get to be doing the stupid things
0: i we men are canceled
1: (laughs) i wouldn't like honestly though maybe she's the one who won because then she didn't get married
0: that's true and she didn't have to get married to an asshole either and she didn't have to like change who she was because Mm -hmm. of it so you
1: are right about that but yeah, um yeah, we don't like stepping aside from men. It's a terrible plot Mm-mm. point. Kill them all. <laughs> a horrible, horrible plot point. Nope <laughs> he hates it.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, P loves pasta hates when men win. <laughs> love's pasta
1: hates the patriarchy. That's, that's oh my <gasps> loves pasta hates the patriarchy. <laughs> And Liza's book also has a really nice cover. Yeah. Very cool. We're very excited to post our covers. Um, so, yeah, as we talked about, I read a book called The Red Door, A Dark Fairy Tale Told in Poems by Sean C. Harris. And I realized that this book was part of the Jewish Poetry Project. So that's fun. Um, and yeah, so. Oh, I forgot to say, not only is this written by a black Jewish author, but also it's a little it's kind of it's queer. It's a queer story. So that's always fun. Um, but yeah, it's really like a story of grief and kind of finding yourself or losing yourself, but also like passion and love and all that fun stuff. Um, Yeah. So pretty much, I'm trying to think what I want to say first. I think I'll start with um yeah so so this book the general narrative throughout the story is pretty much there's a girl whose dad dies and she spends the book kind of finding her place after that um, and figuring out how to be loved by people after that. And she's definitely self-sabotaging and, um, makes some crazy choices, but you know, it'd be like that sometimes. And all through the book, she has this reoccurring dream of this red door, but you can't look into the red door. Um. You, or, you know, who knows what will happen. So that's the basic premise, I would say. And there... So yeah, so okay, now I'm going to jump into my rating scale, and then the other things I want to talk about, I'll talk about throughout it. So readability and interest, I gave it a 7. It's very short, and it's all poems, so quick read um the story is rather interesting I like reading kind of like narrative poems like this because in a lot of ways they're almost like little puzzles um putting meaning to the poem is like a puzzle and so I find that fun and intriguing and so I like to keep reading these things to see what's happening next and um, to kind of figure out the story through, like, extracted beauty of events, I suppose, is a way to put it. Um, For language and style, I gave this a seven. I would say it was... Poetry is so hard because there's so many different kinds of poetry and I always like to think about like, there's poetry that would be good read aloud and there's poetry that's good to read and it doesn't always intersect. Um, I think most of the poems in this book are poems that are good to read, not to read aloud. Um. And that that's, doesn't mean a poem is good or bad at all, in my opinion. I don't think that poetry has to be read out loud for it to be good. So that's what I'll say about that. And then I'll also say, um, I feel like this kind of poetry, it's beautiful and it's still lyrical, but it's more of a relaxed, casual type of poetry. For example, on page 12, this one's called Monster. On the other side of the red door, Terry wanders her dream garden. Heady, musky scent, ancient, raw, primal, luring her to its source. Something is changed in the place where her blood spilled. Wild grass and tiny flowers grow. Rosy aroma merges with fading season smell, entices Terry's senses. Once again, she reaches for the rose. It happens so quick. A deafening crack. Chunks of stone falling. Hot iron grips seizing. Monstrous silhouette. Eyes like twin yellow moons. So. It doesn't have a rhyme scheme. It's very, um like, there's nothing too flowery about it. It's just beautiful for what it's portraying um but yeah i i would say it's more of a casual style poetry which is great we love that um the other thing i will say this reminded me a lot of autobiography of red in the type of story it's very like settling dust settling dust type story and also you know quiet reading between the lines type things this is kind of like that and it reminded me of something else too and I had on the tip of my tongue and now I can't think of what it is um but you know I think also I'll say anytime I read poetry I think of um the Iliad and the Odyssey and Gilgamesh and all those things, which is interesting when I'm reading something like this. Um, The other thing I'll say is there is, like, thread of Jewish things littered throughout and I know me and Liza have had this conversation before um, about how sometimes poetry is not for you she adds in threads of Jewishness throughout the book um, such as like language which I don't know enough about anything to know if it is Hebrew, or Yiddish, or another variation. And I've even tried to look some of it up, and it doesn't specify. Um, But from what I've found, a lot of the language that she has woven into these poems are like, like, okay, for example, there is one piece that I looked up and it's a full sentence and I can't find it right now. And I looked it up to see what it meant. And it didn't tell me what it meant, but it did say like, this is a phrase that you repeat during a certain prayer. Um, To, I think it said like to set intention or something like that. Um, but again, this goes back to the conversation that me and Liza had where like, yes, like do the work to like look it up and try to figure out what it means. But also realize that you not understanding it isn't like the point at all. Um. But yeah, and, and also, I'm not a huge fan of reading poems that are fully in different languages unless I'm like actively translating them because I think I think the act of translation is really fun but to just like read a different poem read a poem in a different language I'm just not going to get anything from it but for this where it has just like sentences or things like that I think there's something interesting about it even if I don't know what it means Um, because even though there's poetry that is to be read aloud and poetry that is just to be read. I think that all poetry has to like have some kind of its own rhythm to it. It has to have some kind of good sound to it, even if you're not reading it aloud. Um, Each poem has to kind of find its way find its groove. And I think this one is interesting for me to just like see how those words sound while I'm reading the poem. I think that that's interesting in itself. So um for form, I didn't really put anything for form like I guess like I said it's a dark fairy tale told in poem so it's like a narrative poem and I guess that's done I don't see it done often but I also don't look for it um and yeah this book is also split up into five sections um which is interesting and this is the only part, I think, if I remember correctly, throughout the whole book that it's translated. So, like, uh, like book four is Galut, G-A-L-U-T, but then in parentheses it says exile. So it gives you both, which is interesting. Um, I like that. For shelf-worthy slash read again, I gave it a six. I think that if you are a fan of it's hard to be like if you're a fan of poetry you should read this because again poetry comes in all different forms and shapes and if you're a fan of you know um regular poetry I'm trying to think what that one person's name is um let me think there's a poetry book it's like by someone, I think their last name's Drake or something like that. If you're a fan of that kind of poetry, I don't know if you would like this kind of poetry. Like narrative poetry is very much its own thing. So if you like narrative poetry, I would say read this. Um, I would say if you're a Jewish woman specifically, I think this book would be good for you to read. I think if you like If you like auto autobiography of read, I would say to read it. If you like, there's like a book right on the tip of my tongue and I can't think of what it is. It's very like self-sabotage, but love also. I would say read it, okay? um, I am going to keep it on my shelf. It's small. It doesn't take up space. The cover is beautiful. Um... I don't know if I would go back and read it just because I usually, like, maybe one-off poem I would, um, but I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't read the whole book again simply because I'm just not a big poetry person anymore, but yeah, for plot, I give it a 7.5. I love this idea of, like, always going back to a similar spot in your dream, um, It's like, I have dreams that they're not reoccurring dreams, but I wind up in the most random spot. For example, there's this one, my school, my high school and my grammar school were both like 10 minutes, 10, 15 minute drive from my house. And so seven minutes, if you were speeding, but, um, There's this one spot where there's like a roundabout kind of, and then you go down and like under a bridge that this train goes across of, and then you come up and there's like a Goodwill on your left, a Tim Hortons on your right, a big factory. And for whatever reason, I always have dreams that I'm walking there. I've never walked in that area in my life. I always just have this reoccurring dream. It's not even, it's not a reoccurring dream because the same thing is not happening. It's just a reoccurring place in my dream for no reason. So like this idea of like being in this peaceful place, being in this like place that is cozy to you and and you're dreaming of like beautiful thing, but in the middle of like flowers and, and greenery and sunshine, there's just this red door and it calls to you and it's like, you're dreaming, but you know that that shouldn't be there and you know it doesn't belong there. And you wanna open it so bad, but you know that the second you open it, just like the worst things are gonna happen. I love that idea. I love it. Um, I think it's beautiful. I think it's wonderful. I just love it. I will eat it up. For characterization, I gave it an eight. Um, the main character is called Terry. And Terry is wonderful. The thing that I really like about Terry is Terry meets a woman who she falls in love with. And it doesn't tell you what her name is. Um, but it tells you what her name means. And then she's called that throughout the rest of the book. Um, For example, her her name – I was looking for the exact part so that I could – here it is, I think. All right, I think I'm just going to read this whole one. Midnight's Children. There's something special about nighttime, luminous moon peeking from behind her dark shroud, cool distant light of stars in black satin sky, shadows growing bigger, deeper, darker, songs of creatures that sleep by day. Another world waking up, coming alive, wondrous and strange. Terry takes a deep breath of crisp night air. Beside her, this dream of a woman she danced with, walks in flesh and blood striding smoothly as though night is an old friend. Her name means sorrow. This close to her, Terry can feel the touch of sadness, a hint of melancholy, giving gravity to her graceful footsteps. I want to show you something, sorrow says, rich, throaty voice, stroking that tender spot between Terry's ears that makes her shiver, like those stories of tigers, bears, and wolves walking upright and talking, sweet tongues hiding sharp teeth. Mama's voice warns inside Terry's head. Be careful, Terry, be careful. There are things that come out at night, things that lurk in the shadows for tender morsels like you. Ghosts, demons, unclean spirits, wild beasts, and humans too. They go the way Terry does not know, linking their fingers in the dark, ghost of a grin upon sorrow's upper lip. Devilish twinkle in her eye, together they walk, embraced by night. So like... It says her name means sorrow. And then for the rest of the book, they just call her sorrow. And I love that. I love it so much. Um, And like, I don't know, what an interesting way to address a character. What an interesting way to address a metaphor to present a kind of idea. um, To carry a theme throughout. Because again, like Perry's father has died. And now she's met sorrow. Like, it's just, it's beautiful. Um, and so for characterization it, it got an eight because that's like, I just love that about it. I think that's one of the best things about this book is that is really the way that these characters are presented and the way that they're explored and dissected um, throughout the whole story. So... I also, so that's really all I have to say about that. I'm just going to say one more thing. I'm curious to see, like, after getting to the end of this book, I wonder if I interpreted it correctly or if it is something that is meant to be up for interpretation. Um interested in that so if anyone has read it or is going to read it or will read it let me and penelope know and um we will discuss it together and other than that uh that was the red door by chauncey harris i would like to read that you definitely should it's beautiful
0: where did you get it again
1: I think I ordered it on BNN's website, but if you want to get it right from the press, I can send it to you. Okay. I think it was only like $14 on the press site.
0: Because I just feel like um these seem that seems like the type of book that's like uh hard, kinda hard to find.
1: I think maybe for an indie press or for an indie bookstore, maybe, but. Okay, good, 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 good. I think the thing that makes it easier to find is that it's from the Jewish Poetry Project.
0: Right, and I did see that, and um, I did see it there. I don't know if they sell it there, but I saw it on that website. So that's something.
1: They also have a Poetry Month special going on. Buy two, get one free. Just so you know.
0: That's kind of slay. Wait. Is. What the? Wait, is March. Poetry month? Where is February? I always thought April was poetry month.
1: Yeah, I always thought April was too. What the hell? Yeah, why well, it say that on the site then? What the hell? Things be weird sometimes.
0: Things do be weird sometimes. What, what do the- you think, P? P answer the question. Um what was I going to say? I can't remember. Pee! Oh, my God. She just was staring into my soul.
1: <laughs> she could girl. she said, Pee, she looked down. She's like, oh, I'll stop. Oh, my God, Liza, I just saw something I want to talk to you about, but we yeah. have to wait. We have to um, wait? Yeah. Oh, we have to turn
0: off the... Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you guys... That was Jewish Book Week. You have two great examples right there for books you could pick up or find some other books by Jewish authors.
1: We I had found a whole list of them. I just picked this one cuz I I don't know, this one spoke to me the most.
0: There's a ton of cool shit by Jewish authors.
1: There's a lot of cool fantasy books.
0: Yes. Yes. Um there is one what Thistlefoot? I've been really wanting to read Thistlefoot. That's a Jewish horror book. Um, My book I read last week, Schmutz, could be a good one if you like lit fic. Like Marissa said, there's Jewish fantasy, Jewish sci-fi. Um,
1: There's like a fairy tale one called like um something spin. It's going to bother me if I can't think of what it is. Mm, spinning Silver yes Naomi Novik yes is in fact Jewish
0: so that's always fun um
1: yeah pick up a book by a Jewish author it's not that hard The Dove Keepers by Alice Hoffman this is where I leave you by Jonathan Tropper The Weight of Ink by Rachel Kaddish so many there's so many many there's no excuse really the wolf in the woodsman by ava reed oh, that sounds fun anyway so there's a bunch and read them read them enjoy them and hey marissa yeah what are we doing next week next week um we are refocusing to something that we love which is mother's mothers
0: what about mothers
1: um we're going for a whole little uh mother monster type episode it's gonna be real fun it's gonna be real silly goofy we've definitely
0: had conversations about monster mothers before i don't know if necessarily on the podcast
1: can't remember I don't know for sure but we're excited
0: I am going to be reading um let me just make sure I have the author's name it's another one that okay no I got it I'm reading Mother Thing by Ainsley Hogger yeah is that yeah.
1: what you're reading? That's what
0: I'm reading. What are you reading?
1: I'm reading Sharp Objects by Gillian Flynn.
0: Hell yeah.
1: I'm excited about that one. I'm very excited because I watched the show and it was lovely. Have you watched the show, Liza? I have not. Oh my god, you gotta watch it. We love Amy Adams.
0: I love Amy Adams. And did did the same author write Gone Girl?
1: Yes. So it's going to be kind of cunty, of course. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're excited. Um, I've had this on my shelf for so long. I've been meaning to read it. And it's just, I thrifted this book like years ago. It's time. So I'm excited.
0: I'm excited. You're excited. We're excited. Tune in next week.
1: Bye, P. Did you hear all those noises she was making? I sure fucking did. Anything else to say? Say bye. Say it. Say bye. Yeah? She's <laughs> trying her hardest. <laughs> she
0: did it.
1: cheese on P